side. Okay, so we're up to the Chesmer Aleph, 8a, at the top of the page. Amar Mar, Nesil Amrim, Minhama Aiser. Okay, so what we're talking about over here is like this. When you bring the special, the Shlamim offerings, right? Chagiga offerings, which are Shlamim, that you get to eat part of the animal, and part of it is burnt on this back, and part of it's given to the Kaihe. Bitzil had said that you're allowed to bring those offerings from the Meister Shani, right? Meister Shani means the, the one tenth of your produce that you're supposed to be eating in Yerushalayim. So the Gemara then asks, right? Am I? To bring the Chagigo offering, to bring the special offering in Yamtif, is what we call an obligatory offering. And obligatory offerings can only be brought from Chulin, from something that was unconsecrated funds, but not from consecrated funds. Meister Shani is already, already consecrated funds. Omar Ula, the Ula says a fascinating word. Ula says it's talking about Teufel. Teufel comes from the Shorish of become Tafel, right? The Iker and the Tafel, the main thing and the one that is um, nullified to it or um, considered insignificant to it, so combined with it. So we're talking about Teufel. Now, what is the case of Teufel? So what does this mean? Chizkiah says that if you have a large amount of people living in your house and one animal will not be sufficient for everybody to be able to eat some of that animal. So what you do is like this. You bring your first animal for the carbon chagiga comes from chulin money, comes from unconsecrated funds. And then you're allowed to take money from my Shani to then purchase a second animal. Okay? As long as you brought one animal from solely using unconsecrated funds, the second animal can come from consecrated money. However, but you're not allowed to take money that is unconsecrated money and then take money that is Meister Shani money and combine that money together and then purchase one larger animal that you're not allowed to do according to Chizkiah. Rechman says the exact opposite. You're allowed to take money that is consecrated, money that is not consecrated and mix it together and purchase a large animal. You are not, however, allowed to take an animal and buy one animal from fully unconsecrated funds and then one animal from fully consecrated funds. So the difference is like this. Do you hold that you're allowed to buy you're never allowed to bring an animal that is fully consecrated, or do you hold, you're allowed to bring an animal that is fully consecrated, as long as the first animal comes from fully unconsecrated funds. That's the Machlekes Chizkiah and Rabbi Echana. So, Tanya Kavaseh, the Chizkiah, Tanya Kavaseh, Rabbi Echana. We have one price that indicates like Rabbi Echana, one price that indicates like Chizkiah. Tanya Kavaseh, Rabbi Echana. Misas, it says Misas. Malamich Adamevi Chayvaseh Min Hachulun which teaches us that you have to bring your obligatory offering has to come from unconsecrated funds. And how do you know that if you wanted to combine it, you're allowed to combine it? How do we know? Because it says like Hashem, your God blesses you, which teaches you that you're allowed to combine the money. So the idea is that Rabbi Echanan would learn from this price. So this price would, would prove the opinion of Rabbi Echanan that you are allowed to combine different funds to purchase the animal for your people. When it says Misas, it teaches you that you have to bring your offering from Chulun, from consecrated funds. says the first day from Chulun, your first day Chagiga offering is brought from Chulun funds. And from there on in, this, the second day and on, you bring it from Meister Shani money. Basil says, the first eating has to be done from Chulun. From there on in is done from Meister Shani money. 
And all other days of Pesach, you fulfill your obligation using Meiser Behema. Why is it that why is it that you're not allowed to bring your, you're not allowed to fulfill your obligation to bring in an offering with Meiser Sheni money, right? So the Gemara says, very simple. Maybe what will happen is like this. You will know, you know that you have extra animals that you need to be taking a tithe from. The halacha is like this. The halacha is that when you have 10 animals, right? 10 new animals that are born each year, if it's in the same time period, you give one of them, you bring up to Yerushalayim, right? Now that 10th animal, how do you determine which one's the 10th animal that has to be brought to Yerushalayim? The way you determine that is you've got to hit them with the, the paint, right? I mean, hit them with the paint, according to Rashi, at least. What's happening is you're being over on the Isra of Tzibaya on Yom Tov. You're not allowed to color on Yom Tov, right? You're painting, you're not allowed to paint on Yom so if you if we told you you're allowed to take animals from Meiser production, right? Then what's going to happen is you may then come to actually, if you took it on the first day, which is Yom Tov, you're forbidden to paint, and you might then come to paint. So therefore we say don't take animals from Meiser. Exactly. So we are not so careful. So what Wayne is pointing out is that on Pesach, what happens is like this. On Pesach, you're supposed to drink red wine. Some people want to drink Moscato to ask I just want to put a little bit of red wine in because it tastes good, but it still looks red. And the reason why it's supposed to look red is because the yayin is supposed to be vaguely reminiscent of the blood in Egypt, right? So therefore, it's supposed to look red. That's one reason. The other reason is because yayin, yayin uh, adam is considered to be more chashim. But that wouldn't really apply when you just color it. Now, when you take the red wine and you pour it into the white wine, then you're coloring the white wine. When you put the red wine in first and then you pour the white wine into that, you're not coloring anything. You're just diluting the color of the red. So Ashkenazim really hold, we hold that you can't, there's no such thing as tzviya We're not really concerned for tzviya We're not really concerned for coloring when it comes to food items. So therefore, we don't really have to be careful about this, but we try to be careful, especially. What was that? Yeah, but over here, it doesn't make it a food item when you're taking paint and you're painting it. The idea, what makes it a food item is that this is, it is actually a food item right now, right? It's ready to eat right now. So then it's not considered like a permanent type of painting. Over here, you're painting on their skin, right? On the animal skin. So that's a little bit Okay. My mashma, the high misas lishna the chulen hu. How do you know that this language of misas implies chulen, unconsecrated funds? It says that put a tax on the land. And said, because it's using here and using the language of mass, so we see that mass taxes implies chulen, unconsecrated funds. Israel, he can be yetsa his obligation. With nedarim and nedavos, right? With uh, with uh, free will offerings and um, and vow offerings. We learned in Abraisa. It says, "You shall rejoice in your holiday." To include all other types of rejoicing, the simcha. From here, the chachamim said, "Yisrael can fulfill their obligation of the mitzvah of eating." Shalmei Simcha. Shalmei, there's different types of carbonus that we bring on Pesach and on Yom Tov. One of them is called the, the uh, Shalmei Chagiga. One of them is called the Shalmei Simcha. Shalmei Simcha is not an offering that is obligatory to bring on every Yom Tov, but rather it is an offering that we do to in, ensure that we have a sense of, of rejoicing. Now the halacha is that the rejoicing, there is no Simcha like the rejoicing when you go to the Beis HaMikdash together with all of the Jewish people and there's no fighting at all and everyone says that there's more than enough space for everyone here, right? 
And what they do is they then sit there and they eat a carbon. So what they're doing is they're taking, it's really symbolic of our entire existence in this world to take a very physical act and dedicate part of it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a very direct way, which then helps us recognize the joy in this world, the greatest joy that we can have. And therefore, when we talk about that, the rejoicing on Yom Tov should be half for Hashem, half for you, and so on. So there's nothing greater than to take an, an animal offering be part of it, Hashem, and then eat part of that meat. So in that, you could even you fulfill that mitzvah even with using other types of karbanas. In other words, karbanas that are already dedicated to be brought. And kahanim can fulfill their mitzvah with these other types of offerings that the Israelim don't end up eating any of it, right? So the kahanim, every time somebody brings a chatas offering, a sin offering, or an ashim offering, or a guilt offering, or a bechar, a firstborn offering, or chazev which is like different parts of the of every shalmei, Every time someone would bring a shlaman, a, a, a peace offering, they would give a portion of it to the kain. So kahanim are allowed to take those portions and they can fulfill their mitzvah of eating carbon on Yom Tif to bring about a state of simcha, a state of joy. They can fulfill that with these offerings as well. So hypothetically, one might have said, it's fascinating Gemara, I really like this Gemara. Hypothetically, one might have said, maybe they can also fulfill their mitzvah of simcha, maybe even with bird offerings and Flower offering, so to speak. So the Gemara's first answer is, it says, and you shall rejoice on your holiday. So the Gemara has a drasha, maybe it's not a very clear drasha, but the drasha says, the mitzvah of eating, the mitzvah, the, the comparison of chagiga to the mitzvah of simcha teaches us that when you're obligated to eat a offering for simcha, it has to be the type of offering which will bring about, which will be brought for a Chagiga offering. So This is excluding Menachos and a Mincha offering and a and an Oif offering, a bird offering and a flower offering that you cannot bring a carbon Chagiga from. Comes along Ravashi and says what every red-blooded American man says. Ravashi Yamar, Mi Vesamachta Nafta. He says, we learned this out from the fact that it says Vesamachta and you shall rejoice. Yatsu Elush, Ein Simcha. Chicken. Carbs, that's not simcha. Simcha is a good state. So therefore, there's no simcha. Rashi, what's he going to do with the fact that it says on your holidays, right? So what's that coming to teach us? So he says, This is coming to teach you the halacha of Daniel Barkatina. What was Daniel Barkatina's halacha? Daniel Barkatina, because Daniel Barkatina said, why is it that you're not supposed to be getting married, having the second stage of marriage happen on Cholamayid or on, on Yom Tov, right? Why should you not have that happen? It says, and you shall rejoice on the holiday and not with your wife. And this we learned at the beginning of Mayid Katan, we went through we went through in great detail the, these laws about why it is that you're not supposed to marry the four different, I think it was four or five different reasons why you're not supposed to get married on Yom Tov, right? Simple, simple, you're not supposed to mix together two different types of simples at the same time and so on. So like the mission. Let's say somebody has a, a lot of people to eat food and not that much money to bring the offerings. Maybe he should bring many shlomim offerings, right? Because the halach is that each member of the household should be able to eat from the from the carbon. So you should bring many peace offerings, right? And you should bring very few oil offerings because peace offerings you get to eat from. Oil offerings you don't get to eat from. Oil offerings are, are offered up whole on the base of, on the mizbeach, except for the part that's given to the kayin, right? The skin, the ark, the leather. So you should offer, so you should bring very few oil offerings and very many simcha offerings, right? Very many um, 
Right, shalmi, shalmi okay. Uh, and let's say you have a lot of money and very few people who want to eat food. Maybe then you should bring many oil offerings, many um, elevation offerings that are fully burnt, and very few shlamim offerings, peace offerings that are actually eaten. Because Allah is like this. Allah is that you're not supposed to be bringing something. You're not allowed to bring a carbon that is meant to be eaten and then leave over, right? There's an isser to leave over from a carbon past the time period. And that we don't want to cause you to fall into that isser. So you don't bring an offering unless you know that you have people lined up to eat it. So Zak the Gemara. Now, let's say Zeva Zemuat, Al Zenamar, Ma'a Kasef, Shtei Kasef, Zeva Zemuruba, Al Zenamar, Ishkimatnas, Yadek, Berchas, Shemalek, Hashanah, Let's say you have very few people to eat and very little money. So on that, we tell you the minimum amount of money that you have to spend on the carbon chagiga. It's a very small amount of money. That's the beer minimum. Okay, so you would get a stringy Uruguayan uh, cow for that, right? And if you have a lot of money and a lot of people and you don't care about money at all and if money is no obstacles, then you just spend as much money as you want. Right? The, like the gift from Hashem, that is how much money you should be spending, right? In other words, there should be a deep recognition that Hashem has given us everything that we have. And whenever we have a lot of money, that's solely for the purpose that we can actually use it to fulfill the mitzvahs properly, human tzedakah, and through elevating all of the physical. The Mishnah says, how does he, how, that if he has many people and very little money, he should bring many peace offerings and very few ayla offerings. And the Gemara now says, one second, he doesn't have that much money, how does he afford to bring these offerings? Amar Rav Paragadol. The Mishnah says that what it means is like this. He should take his, his uh, Meister Shani money and his Meister Ani money, and he should bring together with it, and my, I'm sorry, Meister Shani money, and he should bring together with it a larger animal. Rav Sheshah says, the Chacham said that you're allowed to combine one animal with another, but you're not allowed to combine money with another. If you want to say that Rav Sheshis response to Rav Chizda was maybe Rav Sheshis meant to say to Rav Chizda is that in the previous staff what we studied is that you're allowed to combine money, you're, sorry, you're allowed to combine an animal with another animal. You're not, however, allowed to combine money with money. But so why doesn't he just say you're not allowed to combine money with money? Why does he say you're, you're allowed to combine money, animal with animal? Why does he say you're not allowed to combine money with money? It's rather you have to say this. They taught you can even combine an animal to an animal. Kiman, who is this like? The Lake It's not like Chizkiyot. The Lake not like Rabbi So what are you going to do over here? It's not like either opinion like this, right? And maybe you'll tell me, well, not a big deal. Rabbi and and Chizkiyot both Amarayim, and Rabbi Sheshis and Rabbi are allowed to argue with them. The Gemara says that's not really true. Must nice Lake What do you mean? The, the Brysis actually do disagree with each other. In other words, originally on, yet, on the beginning of today's daf, yesterday's um, yeah, previous Amr, what we mentioned is that um, there's a Brysa that supports the position of Rabbi Echen and a Brysa that supports the position of Chizkiah. So how are you going to say that? He comes along with Rosh and he sticks his head into a Brysa, Machlechus? That doesn't make any sense. Maybe I'll tell me they don't really argue with each other, but it was said explicitly, Achila Rishlainam and Achulin. The first eating should be done from chulin, from unconsecrated. What's the first eating? The amount of money from the first, the amount of money that the first offering should cost should come from chulin, from unconsecrated, uh, um, unconsecrated money. Let's say somebody has separated 
10 animals for the sake of bringing this carbon chagiga. In other words, carbonos chagigos, but presumably he has a lot of people, or at least some very big people in his house who like to eat a lot. So fascinating, Machlek is coming up over here. Ula says you should have five should be brought on Yom Tev Rishon, and five can be brought on Yom Tev Shani. Okay? So in other words, it doesn't make a difference. If you if you dedicated a certain amount of, of offerings, you bring half on one day and half on the other day. It says the name of Rishlach. So Ula says, though, however, Rabbi Echanan held that once you stop bringing your first five, right, either on the day in which you first brought it, or perhaps not even on the day, maybe it wasn't straight, then you can't bring any more carbonus at all. So Rabbi says, Rabbi Echanan is not arguing. Rabbi Echanan is talking about a case where he did not specify that he intended to sacrifice all these offerings on two days' time period. And therefore, the assumption is he intended to sacrifice them all on the first day. And therefore, when he stops after the first five, he can no longer bring any carbonus. Because if he brought any more carbonus, then that would be considered like a, a Rashi explains, Baltaisa. He's adding on to the holiday. Okay? There's luggage in the Medicaid case where he specified that he's going to bring five the first day and five the second day. So then there's no, there's no concern of Baltaisa that he's adding on because he's not adding on, right? He's just doing it all the way he intended to do initially. So the Gemara says, um, Hi, Stam. What's the case of Stam where you didn't explain? What's the case? If you're telling me that there's not enough time on the day to still bring it, that which you didn't end up bringing it, that's because there's not enough time during the day. Rather, you have to tell me is, right, if there's just not enough time in the day, then of course the fact that he didn't yet bring it today, that's not an indication that he didn't, he didn't intend to fulfill his obligation. And therefore, he always was intending on finishing tomorrow. And even if he intended to bring it initially on the first day, then he didn't end up having enough time. So of course, he could still bring it on the next day. And there's no, there's no contradiction here. There's no assumption that this has the perception of being what we call baltaisa. So rather, must we talking about a case where there's not enough people to eat it. So he said he's going to bring 10, 10 animals. Day one, he brings five animals. And he's like, everybody's like, whoa, we are so full, dad. We can't eat anymore. Okay, so there's no, you're not allowed to have leftovers. He doesn't bring the other carbonus, right? But, and once again, over here, the fact that he didn't sacrifice them on day one is because he just didn't have enough people to eat it. So there would be no halacha then that he can't bring the next five tomorrow because there was no indication that he was changing his mind. He just didn't have a choice. There wasn't enough people to eat it. He's always bothered by something. Bothered by something? You're thinking who can eat 10 animals in one day? Yeah, yeah, you should be bacha. <laughs> okay, so, um, Indeed, there's enough time during the day, and there's enough people to eat the more animals as well. And the fact that he did not end up sacrificing them on the first day, then presumably he left them intentionally, did not want to sacrifice them anymore. He didn't want to sacrifice them anymore. He changes his mind and wants to sacrifice them tomorrow. Not he can't say that it's just a continuation of the first offering. It's a new offering. And the new offering would be a problem about this. It makes sense to say this as well. If you set aside 10 animals to be brought for your Chagiga offerings, and um, you can bring five on day one and five on day two. Kashina Dadi, this is problematic, right? Rabbi Yechanan one time said you could bring five on day two. One time said, and originally we heard him say that you can't bring five on day two. You have to say that there's no contradiction. When he said that it is not okay to bring five the second day, that's when he did not specify that he's bringing five the second day. That's when he just said, Stam, I want to bring 10 all together. He didn't specify. But when he said, I want to bring five the first day and five on the second day, then indeed it is going to work that, of course, he's going to have to 
of course, of course, if he said both, then indeed he will have to bring both on um, on the same bank. Shmami, it marnami. It was stated like this as well. I'm Rav Shlomo Bar Abba. I'm Rav Yehoshua. says name Rav Yehoshua. We also had a statement like this. When do they say that you're not that you're allowed to bring the carbon chagiga on the first day, but not on all seven days? Only in a case where you did not finish. But in a case where you finished, then you could go back and, and bring more carbonus. What does it mean to finish? My mac. Um, Ilema, I'm sorry, my gummar. What does it mean to gummar to finish? Ilema gummar carbonus. So if it means that he brought all the carbonus, my mac. Then what's he going to bring on the second day? He already finished bringing his carbonus. Ela shaloi gummar hayim. Avol gummar hayim chayzer mac. So rather we have to say that he didn't finish the entire day. If he finished the entire day. Then he should go back and bring more carbonus as well. In other words, so as long as as long as he finished what he intended to finish on that day, then he's allowed to go back and bring more carbonus in the future. Look the next mishnah, famous mishnah. Mishalei chag v'yemtiv arishin shal chag. If somebody does not bring the carbon on the first day of yemtiv, chagig as kol haregel v'yemtiv aachman shal chag. He's allowed to bring a carbon still the rest of yachalamayid. And also on the final day of Sukkot, if the whole Yamta passes by and did not bring a carbon, it is not obligated to bring a carbon at all anymore once it passed. Which is a famous passing in Kehalas, and it says the, the, the corrupted thing cannot be made straight, cannot be fixed. And the deficiency cannot be counted. Okay. So what is this a reference to? This is a reference to when you have missed out irreparably on a specific situation. So you had the opportunity to bring a carbon, you did not bring that carbon. Once you've missed it, it's fixed. There's nothing more that you can do. Okay. And we the, the conversation is discussed. Well, what about the fact of doing teshuva, right? Presumably you can do teshuva and, and we know that we do teshuva on a high level, especially on the level of teshuva mi'ahava, of repenting out of love for Hashem. You take a sin that you previously have done and it turns it into a mitzvah, right? So what we mean is, is that there really is no solution other than doing teshuva, but there's a very quantifiable thing that you're supposed to be doing that you did not do. And now there's no real way to fix it anymore. That's what we're trying to fix. Yeah, that's another example. Yeah, we, we have a, we're going to have a long list of, of things that this Gemara and then there are other Gemaras being Kedushin that also get, come, come with other cases. Okay. Um, Right away, what is the case of a, a corrupted thing, a bent thing that you cannot make straight? This is someone who sleeps with a woman who is forbidden to him, and she gives birth to a mamzer, to a bastard. There's no way to fix that, right? And even if you killed the bastard, it's still, then you just killed, and you made it even worse, right? You already, you already messed up. The, the consequences are there already, yeah? And there's no way to fix that. So maybe you'll tell me maybe you'll tell me maybe when it says what is a maybe that's talking about a guy who steals either armed robbery type theft or in the, you know sneaking in someone's back door. Well, over there actually it is able it is possible for him to actually return the money and if he returns the money he returns the object it actually is a mitzvah say of hashev asa right to return the lost the stolen object and when you return it you will actually wipe clean the slate. Shemayichai says one second. You, you got to have a different perspective over here. You only can call someone a mu'uvas if someone started off being straight, doing the right thing, and then he ends up doing the wrong thing. That's referring to someone who started off as a tamachacham, someone who learns Torah, and then he stops learning Torah. That is a mu'uvas in the What does he mean? He means like this. He means that if somebody is not bringing the carbon on Yom Tif, already he's not doing the right thing. 
So as soon as he doesn't bring it right away, he's already doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't bring it the whole yom tif, then mm-hmm. then it's just too late. And certainly, if somebody sleeps with a woman who is forbidden to him, right? Whether or not they end up having a child that is a mamzer, whether or not he did that, ultimately, of course, he did the wrong thing. Whether or not he actually had the, the forbidden fruit, okay? So that's not going to be a mo'ovashenei yuchaliskin. So what's mo'ovashenei yuchaliskin? That's the Tamachacham who leaves the Torah behind. How do we know? How do you know that you're allowed to bring the carbon even on Shemini Atzeres, even though typically we think of Shemini Atzeres is a different name? It says at Saras on the eighth day of Pesach and says at Saras on the eighth day of Sukkot. Just like on the eighth day of, 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 of Pesach, it is considered a Tashlumen as a day that can be a makeup day for an earlier day that you missed. So too on Sukkot, it's a makeup day for an earlier day that you missed. And the Gemara says, Mufna. And you have to say that this, these words of Atzeres are considered to be completely extra. They're completely extraneous. The Ilab Mufna, because if they were not extraneous, Ekel Mifrach, one could challenge this Gzeir Shabbat. And they could challenge Gzeir Shabbat by saying like this. Mala Shvi Shal Pesach, Shechein Einai Cholok, Mishal Shvi Shal Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach, is not, is not at all um, distinct from the days coming prior to it. Taimar B'Shmini Shal Chag, Shecholok, Mishal can you compare it to the eighth day of, of Sukkot that is that is distinctly uh, different from the days that came before it? In other words, the eighth day of Sukkot is different than the eighth day of Pesach. Because the eighth day of Sukkot has different halachas. Yeah? You, don't, you don't go on a Sukkah on the eighth day of Sukkot, right? We're talking about Israel, right? In, in America, there's a question if you go on, right? The Chatzar is a question if you go on on Shemini Atzeres. But in Eretz Yisrael, you certainly don't. There's no stake of the Yema. There's no doubt about what day it is. It's no longer Sukkot, right? It's Shemini Atzeres, right? So the, it's distinctly different from the eighth day of, of, um, of Pesach. So you see clearly that is in a completely extra word. And what is the point of saying this? The Gemara Kedush makes it clear that anytime you have Xavier Shava, if you have Xavier Shava, you have two different words in different places that are meant to teach you that there's a similarity. We have a tradition that there's a similarity between these two words and teaching you that you should compare these two types of instances that the Torah is talking about. That's true. It's very good. You have that tradition. But if you have a pircha, if you have a question on it, you're allowed to ask a question and say, I don't like this pircha. I have a logical reason why I don't like, I don't like this, um, I don't like this Xavier Shava. However, if the word is not just a not just a tradition that these words are similar, but actually they're completely extraneous, then there's no question that you could possibly ask. Um, so Mahdi, Mayatzaras, Atsur Basias Malacha. What does Atsaras mean? It means Atsur Basias Malacha. You should refrain and stop from doing work. Haksiv, it's written Le Sasamalacha. So it's also written Le Sasamalacha that you're not going to do work. So atzeres the kasrachman alamuli. How do you know that this is extra? Because the word atzeres literally should mean that it is a day of atzeres, a day of stopping from doing work. Well, if it's a day of stopping from doing work, anyways, we already know that it says on the eighth day, you shall not do work. So what does atzeres come to teach you? It is indeed extraneous to teach you that you can compare. The Tana Another Tana learns it out from here. The Tana we learned it and you shall celebrate a holiday to Hashem. Shivas Yamun. For seven days, you might have thought to say that you could you could celebrate and uh, all seven days. Therefore, it says him. On that day, you shall celebrate, but not on all seven days. So why does it say seven days for Tashlumen? To tell you that up to all seven days, you can bring a Tashlumen. You can bring a a um, a um, a what's it called? A uh, replacement replacement offer. And how do you know that if you didn't bring a carbon on the first day of the Yom Tif, that you could allow to bring a carbon on any of these next 
upcoming seven days, and including the last day of Yom Tov. How do you know that that also works? Therefore, the Pasuk says, on the seventh month, you shall celebrate. You might have to say that you can celebrate the entire day, every single day of this month. Only those eight days can be celebrated, but not any days outside of that, excluding that. And what is the way to make a make to have a makeup? There's a tashlumen for the first day. And the and the, and um and says it's tashlumen each day for each other. What does this mean? Like this. Machlekas is like this. Let's say you did not end up celebrating on the first day, but you weren't able to celebrate on the first day. The morning now is going to get into a very Wamdasha question. Okay. This is for Yeshiva Bacham only. No, I'm kidding. It's for everyone. So the Gemara gets into a very Lamdasha question here. Let's say you have an obligation to celebrate on day one. And then you have an obligation to make up for it if you missed it. Okay. So if your obligation is to make up for it if you missed it, but the missing was something that it was not even possible for you to do at all, then you have an obligation to make up for it. So if your only obligation is to make up for day one, then you have no obligation to even make up for it. Because once you missed it and it wasn't possible to do it, then you don't have an obligation to make up for it. Because you didn't have a mitzvah on the first day, so to speak. But if your obligation is do it on day one, if you miss day one, do it on day two. If you miss day two, you do it on day three, then indeed, of course, you still do it on day three because they're independent uh, redemption days or makeup days. So like this, the Gemara over here is talking about a interesting machlekas, okay? Machlekas is what happens when you have to bring a, if someone is a nazir, okay? And what halach is like this. If a nazir, if a nazir um, becomes tame during his days of naziris, right? So he has to take a, a break. He takes like a sabbatical in between, right? Those, the days of the seven days of naziris does not count as his days of, of um, the days of the seven days of interrupting his naziris because he became tame. That does not count for his 30 days of naziris, okay? So then as soon as he, the seventh day passes, he brings a carbon, and then he starts again his, his new naziris days, okay? Now, he brings one carbon for having violated his Nazir's days. Now, let's say, let's say like this. Let's say he ended up becoming Tomei again in the first day after day eight before bringing a carbon. So then he has to bring two carbonas, okay? But if he became Tomei at night, then there's a machlaikas if he brings two carbonas or not. So Chizkiah says if he becomes Tomei during the day, then he brings another carbon. If he becomes Tomei on the, on the eighth day, on the eighth night, which is really the beginning of the eighth day, then he does not bring another carbon. says that even if he comes Tameh on the eighth night, then also he still has to bring another carbon. It's considered two separate things. So what do we see? We see from Yechon like this. Although, when did he become Tameh on night eight? Night eight? Night eight, was it possible for him to bring a carbon? He can't bring a carbon at night, so he could not yet have brought a carbon. He had to wait until the morning. So since he became Tameh at a time and he could not yet bring a carbon, according to Rabbi Yechonon, you should hold it. You don't have to bring two carbonas. Because you didn't become Tommy at a time when you bring a carbon, you came Tommy at a time when you could have bring a carbon anyways. But Rechizkiah Rav says, no, if you become Tommy at a time when you could bring a carbon, then you have to bring two carbonas. So if you become Tommy at a time when you can't yet bring a carbon, then we don't consider it a new Toma, and therefore you don't have to bring one carbon. So we see over here that Rabbi Yechonon held that the fact that you were not able to bring a carbon, you still have a Echir. So therefore, even in the case of someone who is a Chiger, someone who is lame and cannot come up on the first day, and then on day two, his, he gets a miraculous recovery, and now he can walk up to Yerushalayim. So the, Rabbi Yechonon should say that he's still obligated to bring, right? I'm Rabbi Yechonon, 
the yesh la tashlumen tumma is a very different category. In, in general, the concept of becoming tame, of having a state of ritual impurity is a different category. Why? The state of ritual impurity, we have concepts of tashlumen and makeup days for that. When do we have that? Very famously by Pesach, right? Pesach Mishain, right? If somebody is tame, then they get to bring a carbon on Pesach Sheni. So we have makeup days for Tuma. So although you're right, technically the Tuma is completely invalidating his status. He cannot bring a carbon at all on day one because he's Tameh, right? That being said, it's just a different category because, because anyways, when it comes to Tuma, being invalid to bring a carbon on night number eight is not as invalid as, as somebody else not being able to bring a carbon because they are a lame individual. Maskulor Papa, Pesach, this all works according to the one who says that Pesach Sheni Tashlum in the Rishonim. Who says that Pesach Sheni, right? When you bring a carbon on Pesach Sheni, which is we spend some time in, in learning Pesach, and we spend some time doing this, that when you bring the carbon Pesach on Pesach Sheni on the fifteenth of Eir, that it's a replacement for the first Pesach. But according to the one who says that the second carbon is not the second uh, Pesach, the, you know, Pesach Sheni on, uh, on ER 15 is not about replacing the first one. It's just, it's an independent, uh, independent mitzvah. So my then what's your proof? Do you have to say, Rabbi Echanan held that Laila is not considered part of a day whose time has not yet arrived, okay? So although you cannot yet, although it's true that you can't bring Karbanas at night, the date is, uh, the, the new date has already arrived. And since the new date has already arrived, that's where it's held that you're obligated to bring a carbon, a second carbon for becoming Tameh on night number eight, even though it's not yet possible to bring a carbon, it's already considered to be halakhically day eight. Since it's day eight, you're already obligated to bring a carbon if you mess up and become Tameh again, if you are not. So, maybe like this. If someone sees different types of, of seminal emissions, right? A zav, right? So that is like this. You have a Valkyrie. Valkyrie has a regular emission. A zav is someone who sees it's not it's not the same thing as carry, it's different than carry, but it makes you um it makes you tame depending on you can be a zav, a zav katana and a zav gidaiva, right? So if you've seen multiple times, you see three times altogether, then you have to bring more karbanas for the second time that you became ritually impure. Okay. So if you see one time at night and twice during the day, then you have to bring a carbon. Maybe Stein. But Stein, but Lila, but Achas, but if you see twice at night and one time during the day, any maybe, then you don't bring a carbon. You only bring a carbon if you see three times total. But if you see three times in the first two times are the same night, then you don't have to bring a carbon. If the night is not considered like a separate time, maybe. And even if you saw it twice at night and once during the day, you also would have to bring a carbon. Who was Rebekhan saying? He was saying, according to the opinion, that nighttime is considered missing, missing something. It's deficient time period. The Divraya Imer, what do you mean? According to that, Shita, this is obvious. The reason we needed to say it specifically is to teach you that if you saw it twice during the night and once during the day, that's necessary to teach us. You might have thought to say, like the teachings of Rosh Hashanah, you might have thought to say, like the teaching of Rosh Hashanah, and who held that, I'm sorry, who held that we don't distinguish between a Zav who sees once or twice at night at all. taught us that is like That in general, the first time somebody sees, we always consider that just the halachically as if it's about carry. And only time number two, then we distinguish and say, no, you saw twice in one night, then already we start distinguishing and say that you're not about carry. This is already starting the process of becoming a Zav. 
Right? When if the whole holiday passes by and you still have not yet brought the carbon at all, then already it's too late. And on this we have said a, a blemish, a um a corrupt thing cannot be made, a crooked thing cannot be made straight. And and a something which is um deficient cannot be counted. Right? A high the himanis, the himalois be by lay. But says the hillel that if this is actually the interpretation of the of the verse, then it shouldn't say the himanos to be counted. It should have said rather the himalay. So rather, what is this what is this pasik referring to? Um so what is something which cannot be counted? This is someone who your friends have made a commitment to join in together to do a specific mitzvah project, and you say, I'm not part of it, right? So that's that's actually what it's referring to, because the word of not wanting to be part of the count implies that there is a count over here. This is not a count, the way you first said it. It's not about a count. This is about somebody who is something missing, but it's not about not being part of a count. It's not being part of a count, because everyone comes together, they start that VMA together, and you say, I don't need to do that VMA. That would be somebody who's, who's uh, any yochal, any it's not possible to count. Um, okay, so we learned What's the case of That's when somebody does not end up davening Shema in the morning, does not end up davening Shema at night, there's no way to go back on that. Or should be called Filashal Shachos, Filashal Arbus, or does not daven Shema Nasrei, my report in the morning. Was the someone who has been, uh, they, they got together to do a mitzvah and he does not come with them. It says in the Pasuk in, in Malachi, it says that then I sat and I saw I saw the distinction between a tzaddik and a wicked person and a righteous person between someone who serves Hashem and someone who does not serve Hashem. And where is says, one second? How do you define this any differently? If you serve Hashem, you're a tzaddik. Someone who is a Russia, a wicked person, someone who does not serve our sons. So what's the distinction here? The Gemara says, no, it's somebody who serves, somebody who doesn't serve. What do you mean? Those are both very righteous people. So that was like this. They're both Taka righteous people. However, you can't compare someone who learned his, his Torah learning 100 times and someone who learned his Torah learning 101 times. And therefore, you can't compare it. So the person who learns his Torah learning 101 times, he's considered a tzaddik who's also an Eved Elikim. And someone who learns his Torah learning only, only reviewed 100 times, that's considered a tzaddik who's not an Eved Elikim. And just because somebody didn't learn one time, the difference between 100 and 101 times, that's going to go all the difference in the world. One's an Eved Elikim, one's not. doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, indeed it is true. Save Allah man mishak shach amarin. So go and learn from a lesson from the marketplace, the Uber marketplace. Asara Parsi Bezuza, they charge you for, for 10 Parsi, they charge you one Zuz. Chadasa Parsi Bezuze. But when you go even one, one Parsi more, one tenth more distance, they all of a sudden they double the price. So what's the idea? The idea is that there's a set amount that you're expected to do. And when you go above and beyond, then all of a sudden everything changes exponentially. So learning 100 times, of course you hazard 100 times. Who doesn't hazard 100 times, right? Nobody knows this stuff, right? At least 100 times. So when you go to 101 times, then you're ready, you're, you're, you're proving yourself head and shoulders above. So he says, I have, uh, I have um, means to um, a forge, right? 
in a crucible. And not with kasef have I chosen you? With a with the crucible of um of um of of being poor. Looked and looked and looked for something that would be a good meat, a good characteristic to give to Kalisra that would cause us to do the right thing. The only thing that he found for us that would cause us to do the right thing would be, be poverty. This is why people say, It is good for Kalisra to have poverty. It is as good for us as it is for a red, uh, like a red um, a bridle. Red bridle could be on a white horse. You have a red bridle on a white horse. It makes the white horse look extra special, right? It really uh, brings out the color, the contrast. So too, when the Jewish people are poor, that brings out just how how pure we actually are. Right? As we know that sometimes when when you're poor, it's easier to have more more emuna in Hashem. But when you're very wealthy, sometimes you can forget about Hashem. Right? That's what it says in the pasuk. Right? That we will become wealthy and then we will kick out Hashem. We'll forget our gratitude that we ought to have Hashem. Someone who sleeps with a erva, a forbidden relationship, and then they have a bastard child. The implication is that if they have a bastard child, it, then they are then it's a it's an uvish in If they don't have a bastard child, then it's not a it's not a uvishin If somebody steals from someone else, it's possible to return the theft. The sacking possible to return it and then fix your mistake. If you steal from someone armed robbery, it's possible you'll return it to them. And then through returning to them, then you will also have, have fulfilled your, your um, fixed your problem. Someone sleeps with a married woman and forbids her to her husband. He says you will be removed from this world, and, and even in the next world, you'll be in deep trouble. In other words, when you sleep with a married woman, what's happening is you're forbidding her to her husband forever. So whether or not they end up having a child from this illicit relationship, you still forbade her to her husband. So why are you seeing that? It's only when they actually have a child. If they don't have a child, it's So the Gemara says, that if you're going to check out um, an animal for a carbon, you don't say, come check out a, a, a camel, come check out a pig, you say, come check out a lamb. That's referring to a Tamachacham who stops learning Torah. Any Tamachacham who stops learning Torah, Allah Akash Lamer about him, the Pasuk says, Katsipur Neidedes Min Kana. Like a Tsipur who was going away, like a bird, a fledgling bird who was going away from its nest. So too is a man who leaves his place by leaving the Torah. The difference is like this. Why is it that one time we're saying that he is in violation of a terrible sin, whether or not they have a child? One time it says it's only a violation if they have a child. The difference is, did he sleep with a person who is an Ashes Ish, who would then be forbidden to her husband forevermore? Or did he sleep with a person who is usher to him? But is a single woman and will not become forbidden to her husband. So therefore, unless they actually have children, it's not a bubushin yuchaliskin. Now, to be clear again, right? We don't mean to say that this is a sin that is a good thing to do. It's, obviously, it's a sin that's terrible and it's going to be very difficult to erase it fully. But it's not the same thing as when it leaves behind the last gene evidence. The other answer is the other answer is that both cases we're talking about an Ashish, a married woman. They slept with a married woman. One time you're only in violation of if you sleep with her and she has children. And the other time you're in violation of, of 
even when you sleep with her and she does not have children. So what's the difference? The difference is that you sleep with her ba'inus or you sleep with her barat. And if you slept with her ba'inus, then she's not forbidden to her husband, right? Because if a man, a woman is raped, then unless her husband's a kayan, she's not forbidden to him. But if a woman is sleeps willingly, then she's forbidden to her husband. It wasn't a matter of women was raped. Then says, and maybe you could say both these cases are talking about a rape. And still, one time, even without having children, it's in a yuchalisk. And one time, even without, without having children, it is yuchalisk. And what's the difference? The difference is, is it an ashes kayan, the wife of the kayan or not? If it's ashes kayan, then it's not possible to fix it. If it's not an ashes kayan, it's possible to fix it. It says that there's not going to be any peace to the person who's going in and out. What is this a reference to? When somebody goes out to learning the to lead the study of, of halacha, even for the study of, of Chumash, then aim le shalom, and there's not going to be any peace. This is about somebody who stops learning Mara and goes to and goes to learning um, uh, Mishnah, and you're not going to have peace. Um, even if you start you stop learning. One type of shas, in other words, either Talmud Babli or Talmud Yerushalmi, to switch to the other type of shas, you're not going to have um, the way Rashi says it. If you leave from Talmud Yerushalmi to Talmud Babli, that Talmud Babli is more is more uh, more depth to it. Kedam Rina Sanhedrin, the Machashkim Hashivani, Kimesi Elam Zuah Shas Shabbava. Then there's more depth to it, and therefore, when you switch from one to the other, then it will it will leave you a little bit confused when you first switch. Okay, we're gonna stop over here. We're gonna leave one black for Shabbos. Okay. Take care, guys. Be well. Have a great Shabbos. Bye-bye.